Hello, my name is Alan Spiegel. I am so glad that you're with me today for our weekly podcast. I just want to give you just a little overview of, of myself and my lovely wife, Janice. We began our uh, life together in 1975, high school sweethearts and actually middle school sweethearts and married three months out of high school. We now uh, have two daughters, seven grandchildren, two sons-in-laws, or we consider them our sons. Uh, in 1980, I gave my life to Jesus. And 1981, I felt called to ministry. And since then, we pastored for well over 30 years, spent almost 21 years just outside of Orlando. Uh, we started Safe Harbor International Network of Ministers, Journey School of Ministry, and GraceChannel.com. And it's our prayer that we can take what we've experienced and help you experience a better walk in life and also, if you're called to ministry, that ministry will not be something that wears you out like it did me in 1989. Well, today I want to talk to you about judging and being judged. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about that subject. And I want to start out just by saying, you know, what you believe about God. Now, think about this with me. What you believe about God is revealed more in your relationships than it is anywhere else in your life. What you believe about God, it will cause you to either be more patient, loving, kind, gentle, or harsh, mean, pushy, gotta have my way because of a life filled with insecurities. You know, one of the greatest earthly possessions that we have are relationships in our life. And if you do not have a healthy, proper self-worth and self-image, and we've talked about that in some of our, uh, our other podcasts, if you do not have a healthy uh, self-worth and self-image, then you're going to try to use the people around you to get you to feel the way that only God can make you feel. You know, I lived much of my life, now hang with me, as an angry person. And I'm talking about getting to the place where I would literally just about black out. I would start seeing stars and birds and, and sometimes have to sit down. I would come back to myself and I had knocked holes and stuff and gotten in fights and, and, and used a whole number of destructive things that came out of that. Well, when I became a believer in 1980, I thought my anger issues were going to go away. But what I found very quickly is not only uh, did I have still have my anger issues, but I was an angry believer, you know, that because of the things that, that I heard about God. And I didn't have a proper image of who God is. Therefore, I couldn't see myself the way that God sees me. You know, Jesus was asked a question one time, and he said, they said, Lord, What's the greatest commandment? You know, what is the great? I mean, if you had to put all of the commandments on, up together, what would you say the greatest is? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind. And then he said, and your neighbor as you do yourself. And if you'll do those two things, those two things, if you'll do that, all of the other parts of the law will take care of themselves. 
Now, we don't keep the law to become righteous. We keep the law because we are righteous, and we do it without even thinking about it. It's not, a, it's not an effort. You know, love fulfills, as the Scripture says, fulfills the law. So when I became a believer, I took my anger from the world into the church, and the version of God that I saw made me an angry believer. It made me an angry Christian, and, and I ended up, you know, preaching a lot of things that I wish I could go back and, and redo. You know, Paul said this in Ephesians 1 in the Message Bible, verse 4. It says, long before God laid earth's foundation, he had us in mind, and that he had settled on us as a focus of his love, listen to this, to be made whole and holy by his love. You know, the only thing that could drive the anger and bitterness out of my heart was the love of God. As I began to get whole, my anger began to go away. I don't know of a date on the calendar. I can't say, you know, July the 13th of 1986 or anything like that. I don't know when it happened. But at some point along the way, as I began to get a hold of the realities of God's no strings attached, non-conditional, no conditions whatsoever to his love, I stopped at some point being an angry person. Now, I want you to think about that. He said to be made whole and holy by his love. God chose us as the bullseye, the target of his love. And he settled that before the foundation of the world. Before you and I were ever a being, God had decided and he had uh, made a plan that we would come into fullness of relationship with him through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and our believing upon that. Okay, so now listen to this. In 1 John chapter 4, uh, let's see, it's verse, verse number 9, I believe it is. It says, in this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is a demonstration, the writer of 1 John says, of God's love for us, the fact that he was willing to send his son into the world so you and I could be in a love relationship with him, not just as God, but God as a father. You know, the greater need that we have, listen to this, for self-worth, the more hypersensitive we become to the actions of others. In other words, we have thin skin. If, if we do not have a proper self-worth, we take everything personal. We're going to talk about some of that in a minute. And we interpret everything that happens in life, everything other people say, you know, through the light of our existing self-need and our self-worth. You know, uh, we interpret everything that way. Low self-worth, I heard my friend Jim Richards say this, low self-worth thrives on judging, judging others' actions like a junkie on his favorite drug, choice, drug of choice. Although it's destroying him, 
He doesn't know how to survive without it. And that is the same thing that a low self-worth does. It causes us, but when we have low self-worth, we become judgmental toward other people. Here's some problem in, out of our insecurities. Uh, we become judgmental. Okay, here's some problems that insecurities uh, create in our lives. And I've shared some of these things before, but I want to I go back over these again just for a minute. When you have a lot of insecurities, you attract insecure people to you. Listen, we do not attract who we want. We attract who we are. And if there's a certain kind of person you want in your life, you've got to become that person. You, gotta, you will attract who you are, not who you want. That's a problem with insecurities. You'll, you'll, you'll attract insecure people. People, second thing, a problem with insecurities, people will be used and manipulated because you've got to maneuver people. You've got to get people to do the, the right thing in order to make you feel the way that only God can make you feel. Uh, number three, your worth is controlled by external things. You know, success. If you're in ministry, the size of your ministry, uh, you know, finances, uh, you know, the house you live in and possessions and all those things are temporary fixes for what God can cure for us permanently. Conflict, when you're insecure, is, is always taken personally. When somebody disagrees with you, you always take it personal. You know, I wish I had known when we first started our life together as a couple, Janice and I, I wish I had known, and I wish I had known this in ministry, that not everyone who disagrees with me is against me. Think about it. Not everyone who disagrees with me is against me. Sometimes they disagree with me because they're for me. Think about it. Sometimes people disagree with us because they're for us. It's not because they're against us. So conflict, when you're insecure, is taken personally. You will not have clear vision for your life. Therefore, you don't know what to say no to and what to say yes to. You'll spend your life trying to live up to the expectations of others. Because God forbid if someone doesn't like me. You know, when you're insecure, your, one of your main goals in life is to get people to like you. You know, and if your goal is to get people to like you, you end up looking like a liar because you begin to say yes to a lot of things that you should have said no to, and you end up looking like a liar. You'll spend your life trying to live up to those expectations of others. And then again, uh, no one, as I said, can disagree with you. Confrontation is often avoided at all costs. I'm going to avoid confrontation because everybody's got to like me. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in conflict. You know, the Bible says that life is going to have a conflict. You know, he says, Jesus said, it's impossible, but offenses are going to come. When you have a lot of insecurities because you feel bad about yourself, you project it onto others. You project your view of yourself on other people. And then last, but definitely not least, and this is where we're going to spend the majority of the rest of our time today, and we'll go with it again next week. It's so easy when you're insecure to become judgmental. Why? Well, you got to, you know, you got to make somebody look worse than you. So you, in some sick way, can feel better about yourself. 
people that become who are judgmental do so to take the attention off of themselves. See, if I can criticize and judge you, I put the spotlight off of me and I put it on you. Listen to what um, the the book of Romans uh, says. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes, this is amplified, Therefore, you have no excuse or defense or justification, O man, whoever, listen to this, he says, whoever you are who judges and condemns another, for imposing as judge and passing sentence on someone else, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very things that you censor and denounce. So Paul writes, and he said, someone who's judgmental of others, someone who has a pet peeve sin that they're always harping on, that how wrong it is and, and how they shouldn't do that, and, and, and they're always talking about it, always preaching about it, always condemning people for it. Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm not the one that said this, the Apostle Paul said, inspired of God, he said, if you condemn other people and you judge other people, you do so because you are habitually practicing the very same things yourself. The things that you censor and denounce in others, listen, it's either working in your heart or you're actually practicing that outwardly. Well, I'm just, I, I, at least I had it done it outwardly. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus said, I came to elevate the law of God to the heart. You know, you might be able to not kill someone. Jesus said it this way. He said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. He said, I'm going to raise the bar. He said, I say, if you are angry at your brother above cause, above what should be for that situation, you are a murderer. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. I say that if you've ever looked upon someone else to lust after them, you know, other than your spouse, you are an adulterer. And then the Bible goes on to say, in the book of James and Romans, you know, hints at it too, that if you are, if you try to live and be right with God by the law, you're guilty and you break one law, you're guilty of all of it. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. So you may not have ever committed murder. But if you've ever lusted after someone, he said, you're an adulterer. And he, now, Jesus said, I, I mean, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. If that's true, and you did that, you're guilty or as guilty as a person who's breaking the whole law. And see, there's two types of righteousness. I didn't plan on getting into this, but we got to wrap it up. We're going to chase it for a few minutes. But if you... There's two types of righteousness. There's works righteousness, 
It's a righteousness which depends upon your performance. And then there's faith righteousness, and that's trusting in what Jesus did for you. Became your sin, took your judgment, you trust in that, he takes care of it for you. Now, hang with me. Now, one day when we stand before Almighty God, we'll be judged by one of two things. How well we kept the law. Remember, if you break one, you're guilty of all. How well we kept the law or what we did with Jesus. And if we have received Jesus into our life, no problem. But if you stand before God to be judged by the law, it's going to be over really quick. And you don't, you don't want to do that. So when you think about becoming critical and judgmental of other people, you know, what a tragedy that is for us if we go down that trail. You know, what a tragedy it is that, that we uh, jump on people often for the very thing that's working in our heart or we're actually practicing it. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Uh, this is a, a, a powerful, powerful verse, which all the Bible is powerful, of course. But Jesus said in Matthew 7, starting with verse 1, Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Huh. We'll come back to that. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote in your brother's eyes like a, like a, a speck of sawdust, why behold the moat, the sawdust in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the beam or the log that's in your own? Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull the moat or the sawdust out of your eye while you've got a beam or a log in yours? In verse 5, Jesus said, you hypocrite. First cast the beam out of your own eye then you shall be able to see, or clear, see clearly to cast out the moat or the sawdust in your brother's eye. Okay, so what did Jesus say about judging? What did Jesus say about judging? First of all, he said in Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged. Now, we've been, in church, we've in Christianity, we've interpreted that to say, judge not and God won't judge you. That's not what it says. You know, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it's a law of sowing and reaping. You can apply it to any and all areas of your life. But in Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. He said, With the same measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, the way we have interpreted that, you know, primarily is about finances. You sow and, and you get. And that principle's through the word, from the book of Genesis all the way through uh, to the book of Revelation, the law of sowing and reaping is a principle that God set up. But when he's talking about giving it should be given unto you, good measure, pressure down, shaking together, running over, he's talking about in context, if you read it, 
He is saying, if you give criticism and judgment, you get criticism and judgment. Well, see there? God's going to, no, not God. Give and it shall be given unto you. If you give criticism and judgment, give and that criticism, uh, give criticism and judgment, criticism and judgment is going to come back to you. It says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. See, it doesn't say God judges you. It says people will judge you. Now think about it. If I'm hard, mean, and critical, and I'm judgmental toward other people that fall and have problems, guess what's going to happen if I have a failure? I'm going to get the same treatment, except it's coming back to me in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's coming back to me. So what did Jesus say about judging? Jesus said, people will judge you based on how you judge other people. In John 13, verse 35, in the New Living Translation, the Bible says that, that um, the Bible says through us loving others, not through us telling the world what we're against, not by condemning people, not by criticizing people. He said, but through love, you loving other people, people are going to know you are my disciples because you have love one for another. Now, I want you to think about it with me. If you think for a moment that judging other people being critical of other people is the avenue to get people to God. I got news for you. It won't work. The book of James says, I don't have the reference in front of me, but the book of James says that, well, yeah, yeah, I do. It's, it's in James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, um, it, no, wait a minute. It's, yeah, yeah, James. It says in the book of James that, Hard, critical, wrathful preaching does not bring true, true repentance. The wrath of man does not generate or bring forth the righteousness of God. You know, no one stays out of sin because of fear. That, that causes you to be sneaky. No one stays faithful to their spouse be, because of, of fear. That causes them to be sneaky. Now, hang with me. And so Jesus gave us a great way to start thinking about judgment, and that is I, I have to realize that the judgment that I give other people is going to come back to me if I ever have a need. I, I had a, a, a person call me one time, and and they had, had been... Uh, it had a failure in their life, a major failure, and they were, you know, concerned and rightfully so. And they were saying, well, I just don't know how people are going to treat me. I said, well, there's always going to be a renegade in the bunch, 
But let me ask you a question, and I knew the answer to this. How have you treated people with failures? Well, I've tried to be kind, forgiving, merciful, and at the same time, take steps to, to try to bring restoration. I say, well, that's how the majority of people are going to feel toward you. It's only going to be the self-righteous. It's only going to be the insecure. It's only going to be people who are probably hiding the same thing that you've dealt with that are going to be mean toward you. Because I've known you a long time and you're a person of mercy. Therefore, you'll get mercy. So we need to remember um, these things about judging and being judged. Whatever judgment you get, it's going to come back to you. Not from God. You know, he took his wrath and anger and judgment out on Jesus. Therefore, so that we could be in a love relationship with God as our Father. All right, so let me wind it up right here. Judge not, Jesus said, Matthew 7, that you be not judged. For the same judgment you give is going to come back to you from other people. So why don't we start right now? We stop judging others. We stop throwing stones. You know, when the woman was taking adultery was brought and threw down to the feet of Jesus, and the Pharisees and, and, and all these scribes and lawyers, they said, the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? We don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground, but, but um, in a minute he lifts himself up and he says, you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. And the Bible says from the oldest until the youngest they left. The only person that could have rightfully, because of their sinless life, threw a stone with Jesus, was Jesus, but he didn't even have a stone in his hand. It was, as the Bible says in the book of Romans, it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. It's not hard preaching. It's not being critical. It's not being judgmental. But it's love. Love. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to respond to every person. Salt is a preserver. So even in correction, our goal should be to preserve. Yes, we do have to correct from time to time. But we never attack the person's self-worth. We never leave them feeling worthless and hopeless because 2,000 years ago, Jesus became that person's sin. He was judged on their behalf so they could be in an open relationship and as the Bible says, and they can come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help them in a time of need. More next time. Blessings to you.